Welcome, traveler, to the novelist journey, your guide from Bag End to Mordor and everything in between, where we break down writing topics within and without the book binding. My name's Daniel, but you can call me novelist. I'll be your guide on this journey. Hello, traveler. I can finally say that and have it be true. For today, we set off on our journey. Besides the journey to build content in new and creative ways, you, me, Wayne, and Simeon are setting off. This nondescript town in a not cold, somewhat coastal location is staying here, and we are headed off to see the world. I've got a special location planned for our final stop, but I won't tell you where just yet. Who knows when we'll actually make it there. If you're new to this journey, here, I share my thoughts on a particular writing topic. We don't worry about things like prose or grammar. It's all about what we can create. So, it's going to be a little sloppy. The plan was to hitch a ride with the people from a far-off land. They had a boat big enough for the four of us to join. But right after Wayne handed over the money he got from the chamomile trade, Simeon really pissed off the captain. They left with the money and left us here. It was odd to watch as their ship sailed towards the evening sun while they cursed at us in another language. Yeah, yeah, Simeon. They shouldn't have been so offended by you attempting to demote and demean the captain within the first five seconds. Now, there's a bigger problem. Today was the day we were supposed to set sail for adventure. Anyway, we normally expect issues. Whether it's an issue you take care of with annoyance or anticipate with excitement, situations like this come up within a story. A great way to think about it is a road collapsing into a river. That in itself really isn't great, but for the sake of this example, it can't be prevented. Flooding carries away the foundation, which means there goes your best path across. When that happens, what do you do? Do you jump across and swim the rest of the way? Or do you find a boat? Or do you take the long way around? The parts that I see as the most important are, first, you should make the issue believable. While you didn't witness the conflict that Simeon started, and I did a poor job describing exactly what he did, you still got a sense of it. And second, don't make it easy for them to solve. The problem was created for a reason. If it can be solved as quickly as it was made, it serves little purpose. On the first point, take a moment to understand who the parties involved are. Since we might not ever see the sailors again, I didn't worry about defining something specific that could have triggered the conflict. But I could have taken the opportunity to make a new character who clashed with Simeon. Instead, I used what I knew about him. Specifically, that he likes to be in a leadership position, and I turned that up a little bit. What better way to cause problems that will hold us back than to go straight for the top? We're lucky it happened before we boarded the ship, or we might also be soaking wet. There are a number of possibilities for side arc outcomes with this, even with how vague I made it. Who knows if we run into them again, and the captain gets in Simeon's face? Or gloats about what the money bought for them. That wasn't just the chamomile money, either. It was a steep price to ride along. So now my money bag got lighter, too. But that's not why we're here. 
I mean, it's why we haven't left the town yet. But Psydarks and money aren't what I want to talk to you about. Today, we put Simeon and Wayne to the test. More specifically, I want to display something about each of them to show why they are important to have with us. It's not always the case that you need to. Your characters can come along on the journey just because you want them there. But somewhere along the way, you'll have to show off their stuff or use them to hold the group back. Sometimes both. That big moment when your character executes the long-awaited move the audience knew they were capable of is always satisfying. It's that situation where you as a reader see a fragment of something familiar. It opens up this memory from early in the book where it was mentioned about the character's skills or special abilities, and they use it after just the right buildup. The payoff for that is perfect, at least for me. It can happen in the form I just talked about, appearing near the end of your story. It can also show itself in the form of what we're about to do. We're lost on options. I had hoped to take us on a specific route over the sea. No, I, I, I didn't, but that doesn't matter. Even if I did, that route is off the board now. It would be too easy for me as a guide to conjure something up to fix our problems. I like to let the scene play out where my characters handle this situation without falling too deep into the issue. In the end, each issue will be resolved, but when that happens plays a big role in how the story thread twists and turns. You've already met Bioka, presumably. If you've heard previous episodes, then you know he's one of my point of view characters from When Shadows Burn. He is also a very smart person. He loves books, and by the time we meet him in the story, he's already read nearly every book available to him in the only library nearby. There are a number of things the books taught him. How to read, for one, since he opened his mind to a variety of new words. He understands somewhat of the dialect differences of other cities in the country and a bit about their histories. He can even understand speech from countries bordering close to his. And he can identify a number of plants and animals without ever having seen them in person before. I like to spread this skill out in a few ways throughout the story. And since I haven't finished editing it yet, I can use some of the info I just created to give more depth to his character and situations. With this vast info, Yoka has the upper hand in many sales conversations because he knows the relative values of the fish and the crops produced in the city. But he has social anxieties that hold him back from controlling the conversation. The books he reads now, in the current time of the story, are restricted military books with topics like strategy and healing and more details on the royal lineage. He even has access to the Zerman death records, or the easy way to remember it, the public records of execution by the way of monster-infested pit. On the topic of his social anxiety stopping him, when you create a character with a skill, like creating a wizard with magic, the more all-powerful they are, the more restraints you need to find for them. Most of the time, you'll see gods chained up with magic from another god-level character to stop the main character from relying on their epic powers. It would be too easy, and as such, the overpowered character gets minimal page time. To solve this, each character has faults to hold them back from totally dominating the space. Maybe it's mental, like how Tor gets distracted quite easily. 
or how Bioka feels like everyone wants to use him or hurt him, so he constantly has to determine the motives of every person he meets. Like how he knows Tor wants to hurt him and runs away at the beginning of the story. The fault could be physical, like how weak Bioka is that he got bullied growing up. Political or social are options as well. Tor is an outsider to the city. The way he dresses, the fact that he isn't from Vizier, the citizens treat him differently because of it. My third and final POV, Haruta, lives in the shadows, unable to live among the people because of her relation to the royal bloodline and secrets she hopes to never face. Making your character do something they aren't ready to do forces them into a conflict of interest within themselves. If I were to find a force great enough to bring Haruta out of hiding, she would have to face her fears. If I were to threaten the life Bioka has become so accustomed to, he would do anything to keep it safe. And if I were to make every citizen out to swindle or attack Tor, it would back him into a corner since he only has one way back out of a seer. Those are just a few of the things I can apply to them to keep the story moving. And within our own predicament, if we can't get this issue solved, we'll either do the whole story from Simeon's bedroom, where I'm sure we'll have to tackle treacherous environments, or walk for a few chapters until we hope to find something good. Or we can learn more about our two companions. What do they have to offer beyond what we've seen from them? Besides his need to be a leader, Simeon is great with people. I'm sure if he understands the gravity of our need, he won't screw up our next encounter. At the tavern, he saw the travelers with the map who stole our money, but he also saw the firebird. And at the mention of that, he's already running off to talk to them. I really hope this goes well. While he does that, never mind, he's already back. Apparently they're gone too. I'll still take the time right now to say what I was about to say before. Don't make things easy on your character or group. Just causing a problem isn't enough. When someone questions Bioka's authority or knowledge, him simply showing how smart he is or saying his rank again aren't going to be enough. He can try all he wants, but there is no straight path to make most of his obstacles go away. At the same time, I believe I said this earlier, do not keep the issue going forever. Whether Bioka finds a way to put people in their place, or make them aware of who he is so they don't question him, or just not be around those people anymore. He should not have to face the same issue over and over again, unless the issue grows and changes with him. Hey, uh, Wayne says he sees the firebird in the trees off in the east. Like Bioka, he seems to have an affinity for wildlife. This time, we're going as a group. Wayne will be the one to approach them, only as we're getting closer, I'm seeing something bigger than a firebird. The entire tree is on fire. Not just one of them. This whole grove of trees is burning away. I left my magical equipment back in the stable, so I can't take care of this with magic. The brothers nodded to each other. Simeon just ran back to the village without another word. And Wayne ran right into the fire before I could even stop him. It's just me and you against this raging fire now. There's so much heat shooting out, I have little doubt Wayne will survive. How did this even start? I can barely stand the brightness, but I hear steps approaching fast. 
No, Simeon. My magic doesn't work just by touching a bucket of water. Oh, you found my staff. Let's get to work then. Today isn't about magic, even though I'm using it to put out the fire. We will definitely have time to talk about that later. Right now, I'm more worried about Wayne. He ran right into the flames. He could be burned to a crisp by now. Okay, I've cleared the fire here. It shouldn't spread any closer to the village. There's Wayne, running towards us arms ablaze. He looks like a fire wielder who wants to light me up with a left hook. I'm going to put him out. Simeon, why are you trying to stop me? What are you pointing at? Oh, he's holding the firebird. Right, I'll take care of the rest of the fire now that he's safe. With a massive burst of water, the flames sizzle. A second wave empties the small bucket, and the few trees left alight are put out. Now that the fire is out, solved by quick magic, but also by Simeon's quick thinking, we can take a deep breath. Normally, you won't want to solve the issue that easily. You want to work it for the dramatic moment that it is, even if it seems smaller than the stuff you have planned later. The longer I had to wait for Simeon to come back, not knowing where he ran off to, I could have assumed he was a coward and made assumptions that affected how I handled the fire and their plan. Or, if he came back empty-handed and I lashed out at him but still helped his brother, it would have started our journey off with bad blood between us. That's the kind of stuff that you can play on later. But it also calls for you to understand how each character handles stress. If one brother handles it by shutting down and walking away, or the other by yelling and screaming and getting physical. But we can discover that later. They jumped into action with a plan. If we were able to see into their minds during that ordeal, for one, we would have both points of view. It would be longer and filled with confusion and them figuring things out. Even if the hurdle for each is small, they are important in telling the story. You can feel Simeon's anxiety as he frantically searches the stable for my staff, assuming I can use it to put out the fire, and because he knows he'll find a bucket close by for water. Maybe he encounters someone trying to keep him safe from the fire and stops him from coming back. By the time he runs past them, the bucket has much less water, threatening his plan. And Wayne! He ran headfirst into the fire. But in a book style, we likely wouldn't see his point of view until Simeon made it back. By then, he would have been enveloped by the blazing trees. We would finally find out that he went in because he put together what started the fire. He ran in, looking to save any living creature threatened by the flames. He called out in case the baby firebird's handlers got caught up too. The one thing he did find was the bird itself. This is a great point to reference events from his past that inform his decisions today. Maybe he was scared in the forest when Simeon found him. Or he went and found Simeon in the forest just like he did the firebird. And he could have tracking skills he learned from hunting with his brother. You start to get a sense of your characters and their limits and abilities as you go through a moment like this. They can't do magic, but they do have a bond and trust and the skills they develop together. Moving forward from this action, our actions have gathered a crowd. Wayne is sitting on the grass with the tired-looking firebird in his arms. Turns out the cold isn't the only problem for a baby firebird. Controlling its flames is hard too. 
From the crowd, the two handlers from the tavern emerge. One of them has burnt fingers on one hand. I like to save an instance like this for the end of a small beginning arc. So the short introductions weren't enough to satisfy what I'm looking for to make enough connections to the characters, but it'll have to do. We were victorious against the first obstacle, but will cracks form among us? We'll likely face obstacles we can't surpass. That's all for another time, though. I'm going to go talk to... Oh, no, not again. Seaman caught up with the handlers before I could. I better get over there. Hey, what's with all the fighting? Simeon, this is why I don't want you to talk to the people who we want rides from. Hey, it's not our fault that your firebird lit up the forest. Oh, and there they go. They're yanking the firebird from Wayne's hands. But we can't stop them from taking it. Well, I guess I'll call it here. In the end, we will have to walk to the next town if we want to really see or do anything on our journey. For now, if you found anything helpful or use these ideas to make something, share it in the subreddit. You'll find it at reddit.com slash r slash the novelist journey. Make sure to email me at the novelist journey at gmail.com or on the subreddit to let me know what direction or path you'd like to veer towards on our journey. It'll be okay, Wayne. It's back where it's supposed to be. We can't worry about that now. Anyway, follow on Twitter, AKX, for updates on our journey. And listen to the podcast on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Get your walking legs ready, because we've got a distance to travel. These medieval-inspired worlds don't have spaced-out cities for nothing. Travel the pages. Conquer the book. Build your legend. Someone's screaming! Where's that blinding light? Wayne, what are you doing?